Welcome, Internet, to the Pixel Play Podcast, your weekly gaming podcast for gamers by gamers. We post every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, all across the Internet, wherever you get your podcasts or video videos. I don't know where I was going there. Video videos. Yeah, you know, the video ones. Yeah, yeah, the video ones. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I am one of your hosts, Kalen, a.k.a. Catastrophe, joined as always by my co-host, Adam, at CS Radical, and Jin at, or at Jin and Chris. Man, I am not doing well today. You're struggling. I am struggling, guys. I'm not paying attention. I'm so distracted. I am just waiting for the final fantasy 16 game to come out i thought you're gonna say we, we've been so out of touch because you know there wasn't any like showcases in the last seven days for us to literally sink our teeth into so we kind of just took yeah. a step back and went no nah, i don't gotta worry about saying anything and now you realize oh have... shit seven days have passed we actually kind of have to come back together and talk again i don't have to that words today i don't have to words i went outside that's one of the crazy things i was like Ooh. well showcases are done ah the sun yeah, yeah it burns <laughs> yeah uh how are you guys doing? I would say I'm doing pretty well. I'm actually in that low, like you're talking about with Final Fantasy 16. I decided to not play the demo, and I'm not sure why. I know I had a reason, and then I just didn't because I like I know I'm getting. I've already paid for the game. I'm ready to <laughs> go. Um, so I'm just kind of at that point where I'm just playing some Game Pass like indie games. You're killing just to time. Pass the time, just killing time. But I did pick up a new Xbox headset. Because the ones I have, the Razer Barracuda X, have like, a, they're like those dongle headsets, so like really good sound because mm. it's not Bluetooth. Um, the issue with Xbox is the dongle never works there because they don't use Bluetooth or allow mm. random dongles. You have to use Xbox Wireless, which is only things made by Xbox or commissioned to be done with Xbox. Mm-hmm. So my headset worked everywhere else except there. And I was at Best Buy and I caved and I bought those Starfield headphones that they released Ooh. during the showcase. Oh, they are gorgeous and also very good sound and comfortable. They're actually really good headphones. Oh yeah. So not much gaming, but gaming accessories. Let's go with that. That's that's what I've been up to. Yeah, I mean it's it's they're always like hidden gems with the like either Microsoft or Sony base. Like the gold wireless headphones for PS4 were honestly like amazing for A the price point and B what they did because like they could work with anything like you could just plug it into your computer and there's your wireless headset if you ever need one like it's it's wonderful how that stuff actually works considering how you know so many other headsets you like you can go out in there and buy some fancy ass 300 dollars headset and then you realize oh shit this doesn't work with my console oh uh, well well this was useless yeah yeah i'm actually rocking the gold headset right now i think it's the gold one but yeah i i love it gorgeous yeah it's so good and like for the price point they're they're absolutely perfect so I use these daily with work and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it was not, um, it was nice when they decided to put the uh, the headphone support for PlayStation Five controllers. So you could just directly plug it in with 3D audio. So I just mm-hmm. use my Sennheisers normally if I ever play with headset. That's pretty rare these days. I live at in, on my own, so it's pretty rare that I need to plug in and hear the audio in my headset. When I'm like, I can literally just turn it up as loud as I want. It's fine. <laughs> but they don't get the 3D. Just the real 3D, I guess, of sound being in the room around you. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things I remember being super excited about when they announced it. And then in practice, I'm like, I don't think you could have told me that it was there with without telling me. I think it sounds yeah. pretty similar yeah. to what we all remember, which is a shame because like I was sitting there being like, man, if they can somehow make it actually sound like you're literally like a, like a 360 degree sound thing, which it probably sort of does. 
but at the same time it's literally just what's behind you is slightly quieter than what's in front of you which is usually how it ends up being i had one game i forget what game it was but there was one game i played where it did feel like i could notice the difference of like the rain behind my ears kind of thing yeah there's a few that but like most of them it was mostly just a hey if you turn the camera you'll slowly hear things in in this part of your ear rather than in the i'm like okay that's kind of cool i guess but Oh, yeah. it's, it's not did, it wasn't yeah. nearly as atmospheric as i was hoping to but hey you know it's not like we ever overhype anything as gamers ever no no <laughs> um i've been i so last week i finished playing uh the first part of advance wars the re, reboot camp or whatever such a fun game if you guys have never played uh advance oh, wars, yeah, i played the original it's, growing up. it's fun the story is stupid like oh yeah of course it, it's incredible it's incredibly stupid it's like like Saturday morning cartoon level like thing, and I kind of like wonder why they went that route. Like, it's a very like good military strategy game, and like they could have gone like a dark route, but literally like a fourteen year old boy fighting against like these super like commanding officers, and it's just I wouldn't be surprised if like it was a Scooby Doo episode. And there's a ghost that shows up and stuff. Like, it's stupid, but like the gameplay is awesome. I had so much fun playing it, mm. and then I played. Uh, Final Fantasy 16 demo and oh my god that game has I've been sold on that game I absolutely love it I cannot wait for Thursday uh yeah I'm gonna play apparently a JRPG game it's so and weird Adam, to hear those words I know well, right like, Adam why what what's the matter did you play the demo I did what'd you think okay here's the thing right <laughs> the combat is really really solid I love it mm-hmm I do not care for the story or the characters at all from what they showed in well, the demo. I guess you're just not as big of a Final Fantasy fan as I am, so, like, it's okay. Yeah, my you know just... what? You might actually be right these days. <laughs> <laughs> I, I what, think what, I what? just imploded. Like, I don't know you... <laughs> how to process. What's the colliding? Right it's bizarre world. Um, no, like, is, is it because, like, love isn't, like, the, the, the secret weapon that'll defeat darkness or something like that? Look, like, I'll straight up tell you what the answer is. It's because it's not ridiculously Japanese-level wacky like Final Fantasy tends to be. There's not some, like, ridiculous, over-the-top, colorful area that around. The guy doesn't have, like, this massive, spiky, like, defying gravity haircut. There's not a guy covered in belts and fucking chains and all this shit. You know, it's pretty bare bones. It's basically the witcher final fantasy and look that's probably going to be pretty goddamn good i love the witcher 3 but for a guy who grew up as a kid with the dumbest of dumb shit that jrpgs have always given us in the old final fantasy games this is a little too normal i guess it's it's too normy for me although i will admit straight up like my biggest problem did come with the fact that i didn't attach to anybody right off the bat it did have the same problems that I find to have with other games that, you know, don't click. And it, JRPGs are always hit and miss too, right? There are just some times where the characters don't hit you right from the beginning. Clive, the main character, just seems like a stock person at this point. I'm sure further down the line when his story opens up a bit more, I'm sure you'll see more. But what they showed at the beginning doesn't do much. You don't really have any party members in the demo to start with yet. So you don't really have like an idea of who else is going to join you in the process. The only ones that sort of interest me was the villains. And even then it's very, you get like a couple of minutes of them for the most part. It's Clive being basic 
you know, monotone, you know, JRPG main protagonist, and then his little brother who is extremely fucking annoying, but that's literally kids in any JRPG, so that was pretty par for the yeah. course. Yeah. Well, like, no, I, from from what I got so far, like it seems like it's doing all the right things for what I would expect a Western RPG to be like, but this is now a Final Fantasy game, so I think it's also messing with my brain. No, I, yeah. everything that you hate about it is what I love about it. I'm glad that it's not stupid and wacky and over the top and like it doesn't fall into those cliches of JRPGs. I like the fact that it's a darker kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And honestly, that's probably for the best for Square that, you know, they've been alienating so much of their old fan base that they're like, screw it. Just go full bore into a new and open up to new people. And then, if and then you know, once we suck you guys in enough, we throw some crazy shit back on you, and we slowly brainwash you into into liking games. And sooner or later, you're going to start talking about how amazing Kingdom Hearts Six is. God no, no. <laughs> this is the anti JRPG JRPG, and that's why I'm into it. Like, if it was like anything else, no, no, I'm not into it. But like, and it looks amazing. Like, I play this game on performance instead of or on resolution, not performance. And oh my god, the game looks amazing. Yeah, it looks so good. Oh, yeah, they've definitely put some work into it. That's for damn sure. Uh, it really helps that they focused on just one console. So they were mm -hmm. able to actually make it run like properly in performance in fidelity mode um, because it wasn't like they were also rushing to release it on PC and Xbox and a Switch port for some reason or something all at the same time. Or even PS4, too. Like, it's dedicated to one Or even console. PS4. Yeah, that's actually mm -hmm. a really good point, too. I mean, it's also great that they uh, they dedicated their team to do only one idea, unlike the last Final Fantasy mainline game they did, where I think it switched, <laughs> like, 19 times over the course of 10 years. Boy Just Band Because for those who don't remember, uh, Final Fantasy 15 was originally supposed to be Final Fantasy versus 13. And then I think it changed at least one or two times after that, and then finally turned into 15, and we're like... Oh, we didn't realize 15 was coming out soon. And then it came out and we're like, this is cool, but it feels very unpolished. And then we found out they rushed it out in two years because they'd spent so much time building this thing. Yeah, yeah that was the boy band road trip one. Yes, it yes. was. That switches narrative like halfway through the game. Just full switch. It doesn't switch narrative. It just stops having one. Sorry. Yes, it <laughs> stops having one. That's, that's the switch. <laughs> yeah. They're like, writers, go home. From here <laughs> we on got out, this. we can't afford we'll you player. anymore. <laughs> We can't afford you anymore. It's been 10 Man, years. I'm, I'm just watching this and I just can't wait to play it. So, yeah, in I all honesty, really like when I finished playing it, I went, look, this probably isn't for me right now. Like if I had to choose between this and Trails and a Reverie, it's no fucking question. I'm going back into Trails. But honestly, I see the polish that's been put into this. The combat, like I said, is fantastic. I have the odd complaint here and there that I think the camera could use a little extra work because... When you're surrounded by enemies and there's not like, you know how in Assassin's Creed there's that little warning above your head so you know when to hit the counter button? That doesn't exactly happen with 16's combat, so it's very easy for you to get hit without you being aware. I find the boss fights were also a little too spongy. It took a little too long to get through Yeah, them. But like, it's also a JRPG, so spongy is kind of stuff we're used to. It's just, it's different when... It's actually mashing buttons rather than just hitting fight or magic or item over and over again. Whereas now it's like, okay, I have to hit square how many fucking times in this fight? Am I going to have to do this every single time a moderately difficult enemy shows up? And the answer appears to be yes so far. That would be my other complaint. But like, I see exactly why Kalen's into this. And I also will see why I honestly 
unless the later parts of the game or it releases in a relatively not great state because the demo may have been released much better than the full game will be, I don't see that happening, but I would not be shocked if this is, an, is a 9 out of 10 in most areas because I think this actually has oh, yeah. everything it needs to get that. Which, honestly, yeah. I'm glad to, even though it might not be my 9 out of 10. Even if it ends up being a solid 7 or 8 for me by the time that I go through it and go, hey, I didn't like this, this, and this, but honestly, like, this game as a whole was fantastic, and that's the sense I got from the demo. I think most of its parts are very well put together. It's just the narrative that needs to click with me, and I probably will do that at some point later on when I do inevitably get to it, because the combat's fun enough that I'm going to see at least how much further I can get into it before I go, all right, if I'm this far in and I'm still not into it, then we're done. But I, I'm definitely going to give it that, like, let's say, like, three chapters or so to kind of see where it goes once the once I have the full game in my hands. Yeah, yeah, I'm just waiting to see what the reviews say of this. Like, But, like, so far, if they're like, hey, if you like the demo, it's more of that, then great. So if, I know, if like, you're no, watching I the video version, she is, like, the only person that I was very curious about because she looks so fucking badass. Yeah, I, I'm curious to kind of see like how the reviews turn out. But if the reviews come out saying this is great, I'm sold on this. Um, I just, yeah, I hope it doesn't get super wacky and zany. And I don't think they're going for it. I, I don't like, think, I think it will is, at all. This is meant to be a, a somewhat grounded. And I say that with like giant flying, firing, like Oh yeah, the, birds, the, the like, wacky stuff is the is the Aeon fights or the summon fights or the, hmm. I don't I think they're calling them the Acon now in this one. Icons. Yeah, so like, those will be the the crazy things. I don't think most else will actually be that weird, unless there's like the odd side quest thing. I don't think the mainline story is going to suddenly turn into some over the top like epic. Where actually, that's a lie. Maybe maybe Chris will find out at the end of this if Kalen gets exposed to his first bait and switch Final Fantasy game, where the final boss literally has nothing to do with anything. It just shows up at the end, and here's who you <laughs> actually face. No, what really is going to happen is Kalen's going to love the game up until the Chocobo mini game where you have to collect balloons in the shape of Moogles. Uh, oh, and every God. time you collect it, it's like, Kabow! and then, and then I'm sorry. Kalen's like, what are you the speaking? Is happening? Are you speaking English? Did you ride your Chocobo to catch Moogaloo? What the hell are you talking about? Yes. RPGs, my man. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to, as they said in Resident Evil, uh, what, seven? Welcome to the family, son. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited. So yeah, this will be my first JRPG. Well, not. Does Pokemon count as a JRPG? You know, yeah. I'd say the answer is yes, but we also, for the same reason that I don't call Pokemon an anime, is because we didn't look at it as such when we were kids. It was yeah. just a cartoon to us. I don't look at Pokemon yeah. as a JRPG, even though I know it is. Yeah, because that would it be is, my. It's it's different. Yeah, there's something. I, I think that would be my only JRPG I've ever played. Then so this will be yeah my first JRPG. So JRPG. it's definitely a little different. <laughs> oh no i'm not expecting it to be like that but like yeah just for my context i've never really been into jrpgs so yeah Excited. who knows maybe you'll end up playing the final fantasy 7 remake or something after this and then yeah you're just in kingdom hearts 4 <laughs> i am never <laughs> i am never going full kingdom hearts if kaylin no. gets into kingdom hearts i think we're allowed to kill him because it's probably a body snatcher at this point yeah 100 percent. if i come out being like hey guys i'm all about the whole kingdom Hearts thing you know that like i am in distress it is not me like that is <laughs> no that's your safe word like that's I, you trying to warn us that's the that's like the test like that that's if you want to like test if kaylin's okay like hey start getting worried if he if he gets into persona then we go okay like persona's pretty good story-wise in combat but it is pretty over the fucking top 
And then if yeah. we that, that's when we start going to like should we should we send somebody over to see if he's okay? <laughs> oh no, he's like he's just playing Kingdom Hearts. Because <laughs> Kingdom Hearts does like has two strikes again. Because I'm not huge into Disney. Like I have no affinity for like Disney stuff. Like unless Star Wars, they, I know it's part of Star Disney. Wars map in there. Yeah, that yeah. that was that is not Disney. That is just purchased by that is owned by Disney. That is not Disney. But they can right? definitely do it now. No, they, uh, they can. But like what I'm saying though is that like the whole Mickey Mouse goofy like Disney created stuff, no interest in. Similarly, no interest in Kingdom Hearts with the exception of Final Fantasy 16. So like for them to ha- be able to convince me on both angles is pretty tough. So like no, I don't think it's gonna happen. It's oh, okay. Now I'm G- give us give us time. It's a Kingdom like Kingdom Hearts four, two worlds right there. Final Fantasy 16 and Star Wars. They could do it. Because yeah, but you know Final what they'd Fantasy also do? They'd Disney. also have a Marvel world in there, and Kalen's like, I'm already burnt out of this shit, and you think I'm going to play a game with it in it? I don't yeah, know. I don't need, like, I don't need, like, Goofy come and be like, you'll use the Force. <laughs> like, no, I'm not doing that. Like, I, you lost me. It's not about the Force. It's about what's in your heart. <laughs> Fuck that. I'm out. That just sold me on Kingdom Hearts 4, and I haven't seen anything <laughs> since that original trailer. Just that alone. See, I'm a big Kingdom Hearts guy, and the last trailer that they put up for Kingdom Hearts 4 went, I don't even know if I'm into this now. (laughs) (laughs) So wait, so what you're saying is it actually might appeal to me then. No, no, it's it's going even too far for me. (laughs) It's like, hey, you know how this game is really wacky, but we're going to do that now in the real world. I'm like, guys, stop. I think we've talked about this. I think we talked about that. Like the designers of Kingdom Hearts are just like, how fucking nuts can we take this before everyone just cuts out? Like, it's just a, like, they don't even care about the game anymore. They don't care about the story. They're just like, how bonkers can we make this? And people will to still say fair, it makes sense. They never did care about the story. <laughs> just it made one it giant... seem like maybe they did in the first game. And everyone's like, oh, they'll explain that in the second game. The second well, game I think they realized like, pretty quickly that no questions. one gave a shit. They just saw like, oh, I get to literally beat the shit out of Jafar. That's awesome. Yeah, like that, it just that nice. game makes no sense. Like I don't understand how that game functions because like it's so random and like the story is like continuous upon multiple systems, consoles, games, yearly calendars. Like it's just like hey, you need to read like the the 365 daily calendar from June t- 2004 in order to understand what's happening in the third game. Like 100. If you didn't get the calendar, I don't even know why you're even attempting to play. Well, I mean, look like, exactly. Like- Kalen, you really are missing out, though. I really suggest that you go and get the ultimate compilation, Kingdom Hearts HD 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue. Okay. I'm not even lying. That's the literal name of a compilation. So dumb. I so dumb. The, the full compilation on my wish list. It went you, on sale, you know how but... bands like Follow Boy and Panic at the Disco <laughs> love to have really extravagantly long names for, for their yeah. songs? Yeah, Japan was like... Yeah, we got that. Just watch our anime and, and especially our Kingdom Hearts titles. We'll we'll cover that and then do more. Trust us. It said it sounds better in Japanese. <laughs> it yeah. <probably> yeah. <laughs> That's but one of those things where they just funny. Like that is the one thing that I appreciate about Japan is that they just go, No idea is a bad idea. Let's just do something really, really <laughs> stupid. It's like, look, we want to have a, a an anime that's about this young guy who's getting his foot in in a, as a hero for the first time. He wants to go on an adventure. But there's also this one girl he's really into. What could we call this? Hmm. And they all sit in a boardroom and they come together and be like, I got it. Is it wrong to, to pick up girls in a dungeon? And they're like, that's a perfect idea. Let's do it. And that is literally probably how that came together. <laughs> uh, speaking of games, uh, you mentioned last week that you picked up uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Have you started it? Adam? That is not getting touched for a while. <laughs> 
What a tease. That, I, that I was there that when it was on sale. I guarantee you, you probably will not hear me say a word about this game until at least the fall. Yeah, I'd complain, but I did the exact same thing. I bought it the day it got the PS5 upgrade. I bought it at 50% off, and I've only played an hour. Not because it's awful, just I, I had other things, and then I forgot to go back. You both disappoint me so much right now. Well, I'm I mean, sorry. the reality is, like like I've said before, for the same reason why we won't be touching 16 at launch is because in July, Trails and Reverie is coming out, and I will shut down everything to touch that. So if I'm going to play anything, because I'm getting pretty close to finishing Trails in the Sky the third, so I'll be done that arc. If anything, like I'll probably just be playing something that I don't care if I drop. So I'll probably be messing around with Game Pass or something just to try a few things out here and there while I'm waiting for trails because I'm not going to start something and finish and like drop it halfway and then have to reassess where the story is going forward again. So Cyberpunk, I don't think there's any goddamn way even if I started it today that I'd finish it by the time we get to like early mid-July. So there's no point in in even thinking about it. So it's just going to sit there until, I mean, who knows, depending on when the release date for... um. Oh my god, what's the DLC name? Handsome Liberty? Yeah, like, maybe I'll wait until then, too. Who knows? That's the end of August. August 29th, I think? So, honestly, that honestly works out pretty well. Like, if I just wait till September, I can probably have a good crack at both of it. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'll do that. That could line up. Hmm. Yeah, my th- plan is I'm going to play Final Fantasy 16, and that'll carry me through till Cyberpunk, and that'll carry me through till Starfield. Or I might skip Starfield and jump straight into Spider-Man, depending on how, how my... Yeah, we'll see how everything shakes out at this point. Yeah. And also, too, like it depends on even how I feel about Cyberpunk, because even when I played it at launch, despite how broken it was, even when I was playing it in the beginning, I'm like, man, this it's kind of there, but it's not quite connecting yet. But it also, it doesn't help when the game is so buggy when it when it first came out. So who knows? Maybe it'll be something that I'll play for a few hours and be like, you know what? I think this just isn't working. But who knows? I'm at least trying it with mouse and keyboard now where I think the controls are going to be better. So we'll see if that helps the problem. Because that was my other thing when I played it originally. I felt it was too stiff, kind of like what we thought Starfield was going to be like. And now we've seen the gameplay trailer for that. So that's kind of where I'm kind of I'm sitting now where I'm thinking, you know what? I probably have a better shot of at least enjoying the gameplay, which means I should be able to connect to it a little bit better. And then the world should sell itself because it's still a pretty interesting world. So hopefully that does it then. But hey, that is a... Where are we at mid-June? That's probably three months from now problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to switch over to our, the topic that I wanted to bring to you guys this week. Um, we were going to talk about this before all the showcases started, then all the showcases came and it kind of got put to the back burner. But um, prior to the showcases, we were like the big story that was going around was, you know, the Redfall uh, fiasco. People were complaining about Star Wars uh, Jedi Survivor not performing well. Um, and there's just always been this kind of notion the last little while that, you know, AAA gaming is, you know, going downhill. It's not as good as it used to be. So I wanted to present the question to you guys. What do you think the biggest challenge or biggest hurdle or biggest problem that AAA gaming has? As of June 20th, 2023, because um, I have my own opinion and I and I think I might have an idea of what the major stem of the problem is and like how it ripples into all the other ones. But before I jumped into that, into my thought, I want to hear from you guys and like, what are you thinking are some of the biggest challenges that AAA gaming is facing nowadays? Adam, you want to go first? 
Oh, I, I got two different approaches, so I'll start with one, and then you guys can bounce around, and I can bring up the other one. Um, I think it's not necessarily an accurate question. For the three of us in this room, it probably is. Like, mm-hmm. modern gaming isn't that great. I'm sure it might not actually be the case for someone who's 14, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think a big part of why modern gaming doesn't feel like it's great to us is because we've had 20-plus years of already being... a presented with what we think is the pinnacle of gaming as it's gone through the years and because of that we've seen most of what there is like there's only so many new ideas before eventually things start to get stale for the same reason that i think right now like open world games for the most part aren't doing anything for me anymore because i've played so many that unless they do something very well in the case of say spider-man where at least the story sells itself or like God of War or like Horizon. Even even Horizon had its troubles though, where even, you know, me liking the universe and the characters, it wasn't quite enough to make me do all of it. It was more of a, all right, screw it, we're rushing through the rest of this kind of scenario. I think one of the biggest things from our perspective is going to be just the fact that we've been playing for a long time and we're just burnt out of the same ideas. So I don't think in most cases that modern gaming is like in a in a bad like downward spiral i think there's a lot of reasons that we can still say that there are things that are definitely not making it better but i think a big part of it is just that we've already played so many amazing things and the way that like you'll see people make oh the top 50 games of all time list or they're gonna like do that and how many of those games when you have conversations with people like what their top five is how many of them are bringing up games they played in the last five years, generally speaking? Not many. It's usually what they remember growing up with. Like, if I, if we ask, like, our core group of friends, what's your top three? Guarantee you they're probably bringing something up from Super Nintendo or N64 or PlayStation 2 and probably not much later than that. For the most part, like, I'm, I'm even thinking of what I would say, and it's probably close to that, too, where I probably put more older stuff. So I think at least my first reason for why modern gaming for us isn't going so well is because it's just not going to be able to go up against the games that we hold in such high regard that we've held in that high regard for decades in some cases rather than just years. Interesting. That's a very good point. What about you? Uh, I think for me, and this is more not what I think is wrong with Modern gaming, because I know, Kaylin, kind of what you were probably going to talk about, and I think that's probably the actual number one. But I would say that my biggest issue is actually related to performance. Uh, You mentioned Jedi Survivor, and I'm not saying in the sense of like, oh, you know, I, you know, gamers are kind of expecting so much and everything. So if there's a, if it's a little buggy or it doesn't run perfectly with certain things, like, oh, this is the worst game ever. I think it's that with how many consoles and systems there are and how far technology has come like if you take pcs you've got these like 40 90 whatever graphics cards that can do this crazy stuff and people now expect or sorry people gamers expect the actual games to kind of reflect what they're paying for but you've got people all over the place you've got people with like potatoes for computers you've got people that are holding off buying a ps5 for three years because a game's still going to come out on ps4 so why upgrade but then you've also got people that if a ps5 pro was announced tomorrow they'd jump on that or who knows they've dropped two thousand dollars on the newest graphics card so it's all over the place and i think that you know triple a games 
that are trying to be on everything. So a Ubisoft title, an EA title, those ones where they're trying to be everywhere, they're pushing so much, so much in so many directions, they can't focus and make a game just run great and then start going to other places. Because if you take Jedi Survivor, yes, obviously you can put the game to quality mode and it ran great. I did that. I loved it. I had zero complaints. The game ran 30 frames per second, but other than that, it was amazing. But when you tried to do performance, I did do performance and it was fine for a bit. And then it was like halfway into the game. It just like didn't work. You'd move the camera to the right. And it was like, as if you were streaming the game through the cloud and your internet connection was just breaking. Like it was not great. And it was kind of like, why does this, you know, even exist? Why do we need to have the performance mode? If it doesn't really work, just have the quality mode and be like, Hey, this is what we have. Gamers would forget that a lot quicker than having two modes and one of them just doesn't do anything. And it's kind of like, why is it there? Because also then the resources that could have been just put into quality mode, now you're dividing and conquering again. Mm -hmm. um, Hogwarts Legacy has this kind of issue where they were trying to be on everything. They just got smart and pushed back or maybe canceled. I don't actually know at this point. The Switch port, because why the hell? Oh, it's coming. Trying to, why are they trying to get that running on the Switch? Like I played that on PS5, gorgeous have game. Have you seen how many people own them? That's why. <laughs> well, yes, obviously that's why. But like make a different Harry Potter game, get a different team, make a second game and kind of like don't spread out your resources so hard because uh, you get Jedi Survivor and it's rough at launch. It's got kind of Xbox and PS5. It's got its performance mode issues and then they start working on patches. Their, the PC version was just like all over the place because they tried to do so much with so many different cards that it just wasn't feasible for anybody for it to run right. But then you take a game like Horizon Forbidden West and you look at even just the Burning Shores DLC, they put their time in and they only made it for PS5. And even in performance mode, I never needed to put that down to quality mode. Like, mm -hmm. I, the performance mode was blowing me away with, with how that looked. And I did put it to quality mode. I was like, this is insane. Like, even more how more beautiful it looks. But regardless, both modes worked exactly as you'd expect. And it was just personal preference at that point. But if that was coming out all over the place, it probably wouldn't have been the DLC that we would have got because again, they're trying to be everything instead of just focusing on something. Adam, when you were talking about like our nostalgia for Super Nintendo, that kind of stuff, not many games released on that many consoles. And when they did, they were actually completely different games. Um, yeah, even just look you, at all the Disney games between those consoles back was, in the day, they were exactly. all completely mm -hmm. different. Yeah, I was Same gonna go different with game. the Yeah. I was yeah. going to go with the Aladdin example because the Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo, one was Capcom and one was Acclaim or something. I don't even remember who or like made this. Yeah, I think it was Acclaim. Like you had all these different developers that were doing different stuff. Yeah. So they did divide and conquer and they just focused on their area and they didn't worry about the other stuff. But then obviously as time went on, you know, PS4 and Xbox One were like the X86 or whatever, like the computer kind of language stuff is. And it was like, wow, we don't have to worry about making a game just for PS3 anymore because that architecture is just completely different than anything. Everything's kind of just a computer. So let's just make a game and now we can port it to everything so easily. But very few games, at least I've noticed in the last 10 years since the PS4 and Xbox One and PC and everything were kind of working around the same. I can't think of one launch where something came out and it worked. 
mm-hmm. like on everything. I remember Arkham Knight came out, ran great on PS4 and Xbox. It was what it was. They had to pull the game from PC for an extra five months because it wouldn't even work, but they still released it and people had paid for it, me included. So it just seems to be like maybe one will work good. Maybe the PC port works good. Maybe the Xbox one works, but now a game comes out and you've got to watch a digital foundry video to see if it works the same on the Xbox and the PlayStation and which one you should really opt in for and what day one patches come out and what's it fixing. And then day 40 patch and then two months down the road. So I don't know. That's kind of the way. I can't think of the last like multi-console or multi-platform launch that was like heralded as being functional on all devices. I really can't think of one because the immediately I was thinking, oh, like Tears of the Kingdom and God of War Ragnarok, and then I'm like, no, those are exclusive. Yeah, yeah, and all yeah, the exclusives are fantastic. Like Spider Man Two, I'm not. Like, I'm sure there were, but like it wasn't nearly as like overstated as like obviously it was when like again Tears of the Kingdom and God of War were two specific ones that people were like, these are amazingly built. There's not a fault with them. What about, like, I think, th- I'm thinking, like, maybe Elden Ring might have been, like, the last example. I think, did it have issues on PC, or was that just some stuttering that some people... Yeah, it might have been, been but, like, under. I guess the, the problem is, is, like, because we're working with multiple platforms, it's almost impossible for them to not have a kink somewhere, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Whereas if you're working with one single piece of architecture, it's a little bit easier to optimize it exactly how you're going, because, and especially with console. Even with PC, like, if a game was solely PC launched back in the day it might've worked really, really well on one computer and on another, it could have worked like absolute ass. Cause for whatever reason, certain drivers or a certain motherboard or a certain graphics card just doesn't work with it that well. That was yeah, the other thing about PC gaming. I loved back in the day, PC master race was always like, Oh, look at how much more powerful our stuff is. I'm like, yeah, but you also roll a die every time that you, you buy a game. Cause you don't know if it's going to work flawlessly or decently or not at all. Like you have no idea. That was me with that was me with The Witcher. I I was able I was a PC gamer and I down I got The Witcher 3 for free and I tried installing it. It was like driver updates and things crashing and like I would do workarounds. I'm like, you know what? I, I can go buy a, a copy for the PS3, 4, whatever. The original like, would have been the F3, right? Yeah. And I'm like, I could put it in. And then 30 minutes later, after an update, I don't have to do anything like it will run. Like, cause that's the biggest that, thing, right? Like, yeah. especially pre this generation, like if something was being made specifically for the PS4 or the Xbox one or, you know, whatever else, like if it was specifically made for that system, it's, it's unchanging. There's not, it's not like somebody bought a PS4 and that one has a different card in it. No, they're all literally the exact same off the factory line. So, you know, that if it works on the, on the test console that they're working with, you know it's going to work on all the others. Mm-hmm. Unless somebody's broken that thing, in which case uh, they probably have been already been banned from the service, <laughs> but hey. Well, I wonder if it might be a situation where if we got rid of PC gaming, would that then raise a quality of gaming in this? Like, granted, there's other issues which I'm going to get into, but like, the, I, if we got rid of PC gaming, because PC gaming is such a thing because you have such a wide breadth of configurations based on graphics card, processor, uh, memory and like even different manufacturers, right? You've got NVIDIA versus AMD cards. Like there's, it's such a wide ecosystem that it's hard for you to kind of optimize for all of them. So you kind of try and just get a balance good enough for everything. Whereas if you said, Hey, we're doing PlayStation and Xbox two configurations and it's kind of two and a half because you've got the series S versus the X. But if they just said like, Hey, we're going to do those two ecosystems. Like, would we see an improvement in terms of 
like stability for lack of better term yeah. you, you would see an improvement games. but i was going to add on to this before we, we ended up just going off on this one single thing but like mm. with performance i think it also just comes with the fact that honestly teams just aren't spending all the time they need to to actually finish it because the companies are just pushing things out the door because oh, yeah. the time they spend it they think it's it's too late they just want to make their money back so mm. i think even if you got rid of pc gaming and we only had you know our main consoles i think you'd still see a bunch of games come out in broken states because they would just still rush them out the door because they're like well we spent three years on this project and it's still sitting in limbo like we need to do something with it and they just say screw it just put it out as it is we can fix it later because that's been another thing too like the day one patch has kind of really screwed our perceptions of games because we always like remember you know ps2 ps3 that era you know lining up to go like i remember going to midnight releases to go play call of duty modern warfare 2 or getting mass effect 2 or something like that and you knew that when you were getting that game nine times out of ten it was going to be pretty goddamn functional there might still be a day one patch in some of these games but like they were already pretty well optimized before they came in the door. Now you're installing a game from the disc. You have a disc in your hand. You plug it in and you have to wait two more hours because you have to download another 90 gigabyte file that overwrites everything because they couldn't be bothered to fix the goddamn game before they launched the disc. So I think like a big part of it, of why AAA games as well, and like we're going to keep bouncing more reasons off, but I think a big part of it is just straight up greed. Because companies have yeah. decided now that they have to make things too big, that they have to be bigger than anything that ever needs to be there because it's the only way it's going to generate hype. It has to be big or it's not a good enough. And this is what, this is what, my, what my thought was for this, is of what, what is the biggest challenge that AAA gaming is facing, and it's scale, right? In the sense that and like you kind of hit it right on the head with, it has to be bigger, it has to be bigger. Like, maps are getting bigger. The, the, like, you look at Starfield, like, there's like 10... Like, thousands of plants you can go visit it's like why why does that like we're doing these things where we're building these games a mile wide and an inch deep whereas i would love to see games where it's like hey we're doing a crafted 20 hour story uh tightly crafted and you know maps gonna be good like the one thing i hate about maps today on games is that like they're so large now that you don't even know that you can't memorize them you can't get familiar with them right they that's what just makes Yakuza so interesting is because they keep reusing the maps. So you actually under you know where you are after you've mm -hmm. played like a couple of those games. You know where the yeah. arcades are. You know where the pawn shop is. You know where usually mm -hmm. like the main story aspects of the game are by the time you're playing like the second or third game. Whereas you drop in the next Assassin's Creed game, it's just another bunch of mountains with another bunch of villages with another bunch of fields with another bunch mm -hmm. of of dungeons and whatever else. And you're just like, all right, map go tell me how to get to that place and you walk like that's really yeah. all they are now and that's it like they're like the the size of the games are not having any benefit like you're not having and i'd say like the witcher is probably like the only like example against this but like you're having these massive areas where nothing happens and you're just walking from interesting point to interesting point with a boring buffer in between like i liked um burning shores like the horizon dlc but like i just spent it on top of my like pterodactyl that was slow as hell just flying from like interesting point to interesting point there's nothing in between that was compelling for me and that game wasn't huge but it was just like it was larger than it needed to be and like i'd, I'd rather have smaller crafted things that then give the developers more time to 
put interesting things in that smaller world and it's easier yes. for them to test, it's easier for them to develop. They're spending a lot of time building up this massive world that's kind of empty and nothing into it, right? And I, oh, I yeah. kind of feel like that's the big issue. Like it causes increased time and it causes like makes it harder to debug, it makes it harder to um like fix those things and play test. And for what? So we can say that the game is longer. Like, no offense, you can have a long game, but if there's nothing interesting in it, like I find oftentimes by the end, I'm kind of like, okay, let's get to the end. I'm like, I want to move on to the next thing. So for me, like I'd like to see games scale back and be tighter 20 hour experiences than 80 hour bloats, which we're like, seeing more and more. Wise, like, can you imagine an Assassin's Creed game where it's just one city? That's all you're in. There's no like, yeah. there's no field that separates you and you go to another little small place or another small place here. It's just, here's the city. That's it. And that's what it that used be to be. Yeah, that, that's yeah. what it used to be. And it was so damn good. That was when it was like the pinnacle of Assassin's Creed. Did you know where everything well, was? No, but you also knew where the boundaries were. And you also, you know, didn't realize that you needed to put a cursor on the map and walk for 15 minutes to get to someplace. Yeah. Well, I always think of like the one I always go back to, the, the map that I think that did it absolutely perfectly was um, Deus Ex. I think it's mankind divided the one where you're in Prague, and like that one has like three maps and like tomb raider actually does it very well as well where it's like hey you're in this small little area that you constantly visit like i got to know to the point where i knew the streets of Prague, not the real one but like in the in the game but like i knew where everything was i knew like if i got lost i'm like oh i know that the shop is here so i need to turn left to get back to my apartment like you got a sense of knowing where you were and like you got to know the map because it was not small but like it was tight enough that you knew generally where to go in the environments you need to like how to navigate through the town because it's small enough to remember. But like Valhalla, I can't think of a single damn like location in terms of like, how do I get here? No. Same. So like the Spider-Man game, I think is another good example of a good map because it is New York, but it is hmm. just the one city and you can go from one end to the other in a few minutes. And obviously the traversal is very yeah. fun. And I mean, we'll find out in the um, new game now that they're expanding it to a lot more. We'll see if, if it, if it gets too big. Cause from yeah. what it looks like is there's going to be other parts of New York now, not just the city. So it looks like they're going to have a little mm -hmm. bit extra, which I don't think is necessarily as bad in this case, because like we've said before, Spider-Man's traversal system is so much more engaging than like Red Dead Redemption on a horse, or even like in most games with a car, because eventually there's only so many times that you can burn around a corner before you go, I've done this. <clears throat> Whereas like Spider-Man, because it's the only game that does this generally, it's so unique that it, it kind of, for lack of a better word, sticks with you. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, like Spider-Man for a certain extent, like falls in that pit trap that like, for the most part, you're ignoring most of the city, but like the, what it does well is it has like the landmarks where it's like, okay, here's the Avenger building. Here's, you know, um, the lab that I'm working at, like, you know, it, it has those landmarks that kind of guides you where you're going. Like, you know, yeah, that, at least the um, stuff in between doesn't matter because you're enjoying the, you know, slinging around, dive bombing and seeing how close <clears> to traffic you can get and then going back up again. Like, there's all of that stuff that kind of adds some variety to it. Whereas, like, <clears> again, I love Red Redemption 2, but there is just so much downtime in that game when you've never been to a place before, before you <clears> can fast travel and just sitting on a horse and slowly making your way up a mountain trail. It just, it, it grinds on you after a while. Well, and like the problem is like red dead is a really good game. I think it's a little overhyped and we can talk about that another day, but like the one thing is that like, it was 
so large and it always boiled down to the same thing like hey you get to camp there's a plan you go on a horseback ride you do a shooting gallery like uh like a gun range and then you go back like that's yeah, it's always all like, it ever was every in every village that you or every new town that you go to it's always the same copy and pasted here's the shop here's the tavern mm-hmm. here's this like it's always the same it's the same with mm-hmm. like harry potter with the uh, hogwarts legacy you had okay here's another village here's the shop here's the one quest here is like the the potion here's like five merlin trials right scattered around it mm. it just didn't feel like there was any point to any of it i've said this before on the show but i'm waiting for a game to truly go actual open world and be like the size of i don't know like let's say a few city blocks mm-hmm. and it's just a small area like you know it'd be a cool idea you know how LA, like LA Noir, do that, but literally have you being like a detective of a certain a area in the city. So you yeah. only go to these few places so that by the time you get to like, let's say a quarter to a third of the way through the game, you're like, okay, this is where the station is. This is where the local cafe is. This is where a couple of bars are. If I want to get information, here's where like town hall is like, so that by the time you've played the game in a similar way with Yakuza, where you start remembering where everything is, because that's the thing, like, I've played GTA Five so long that I remember a couple of places. But even mm-hmm. for playing that game for hundreds of hours, if you ask me where exactly how to get to, like, Simeon's Auto Dealer, I might need a couple of, like, quick glances around the map to sort of remember. Like, I can figure out where, like, other main places are, like, you know, where the casino is and stuff like that. But that's because I've been there so many times it's impossible not to remember in the same mm-hmm. way that if you drive to a place you've you only go to like a couple times a year, you'll know where the one place you intend to go to there is, but you're not exactly going to remember where the convenience store is every time. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think the the large scale of games that we're having like though has a ripple effect into the other things that people hate about games, right? Like the people talk about um you know buggy messes on release. Well, that's because the game is just so large that it takes a long time to develop and there's very little time for um making fixes. The other thing, too, is people hate, like, oh, like, microtransactions and DLC and all that. Well, they have to recuperate the cost because games are expensive to make. If you make smaller games, the game budgets theoretically would go down, which then makes it that you have to have less revenue streams in order to, like, make profit and stuff. Like, the games are getting so large and so expensive that, like, we're seeing a lack of innovation. We're seeing a lack of risk. And so, like, I think having smaller games, they become less risks and they're better. To, they're, they're good to go. So for me, well, I, mean, I you think hope like, like Hi-Fi Rush, for example, kind of shows that that there are there is room for games that, you know, aren't these 40 hour open world epics and can go on a smaller mm-hmm. budget. You know, you hope that that gives developers room to go, OK, not every team needs to be working on a Starfield level game. Not every team needs to be working on a Horizon game. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'd, I'd be good if a game was a lot smaller and their whole budget went into like music rights or something like something else like mm-hmm. i think i actually hi-fi rush probably had to do that with some music and stuff like that yeah, like, like nine inch nails is in there for god's sake like, you're like yeah nice damn okay uh like like find other ways to spend some money to make your game a little more fancy where it's like oh we put extra we spared no expense you know jurassic park um <laughs> But uh, yeah, like put it into some other stuff. Like you don't need to make the game giant and then fill it with one fish- fishing village and you go there and there's a side quest where somebody needs you to go collect five fish. So you go 
fish off the dock, catch five of them, bring them back, and they give you ten gold, and then you're good to never visit that village ever again in your entire existence of the game. Like, it's pointless. Well, I think one of the things that we, if we look back on it, like, one of the limitations with older systems, and, like, up until, like, the N64 era, like, the limitation was memory and storage on the system, so you had these smaller games. But think about, like, think about Mario. Like, Mario 64, you could map out, like, if I asked you right now to draw me the map of Princess Peach's castle, you probably could, right? If I asked you to draw me a map of, like, Hyrule from either Link to the Past or Ocarina of Time, you probably could, right? Like, that that wasn't necessarily a, a matter of a limitation from just, you know, someone willfully just being like, oh, we're going to make it that small. It was a limitation of hardware, but it created these things where you made memorable games that, like, they don't need to be big. Like, we don't need to have massive games. Like, have a small environment that, like, people can navigate and become familiar with. And I think that was one of the highlights that we had in the classic era of games that, you know, we've kind of lost. But it kind of shows that we don't need to have constantly bigger and bigger situations. Like I look at, I I remember seeing a GIF somewhere and it was like all of the game maps from like, from in like in real size, like if they did like square kilometers and it just kept getting bigger and bigger. And I'm like, why? Yeah. And you're filling it with less and less stuff. Like, yeah. It's like the continent is drifting apart. No, nothing's happening in between those continents. They're just drifting apart and more space in between them. Whereas I don't think it's necessarily needed. Um, And I think it puts a lot of strain on developers to do that. Now, granted, none of us have developed video games, I'm assuming. So, like, you know, we're speaking out of our ass a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. We got to develop here. But, like, but it's just that, that idea. Like, I'm not a developer, but I imagine that this puts extra strain and resources on the team that are we getting more for, for the effort? And I don't necessarily think so. It's kind of the yeah. unfortunate oh. part of technology evolving the way that it has, you know, as you know, obviously the graphics are getting better and better than, than we ever thought would be possible when we were younger. Um, with the way that memory is working now, things can be so seamlessly transitioned. We, as we saw with games like Rift Apart, um, the issue that comes with that though, is that we have this expectation and I'm just saying we as a broad term for, for the gaming community as a whole, that games have to keep getting better. And the reality is, is we need to stop looking at better as being surface deep because the problem is that a lot of developers just seem to be thinking that it means that, you know, now that the new Nvidia cards are out, Oh, we got to start using technology like that to make the graphics even better. It's like, no, actually, I don't know if people have realized this, but like not every game needs to be a testament to graphical fidelity to be good. And in fact, most games that are meant to be graphical, like showcases aren't always amazing because look, like I know a lot of people that do like crisis, but like I've played all three crisis games. I actually don't care much for them. And they were supposed to be the big touting, like, can your system run crisis? You know, that was the meme for like, I mean, still is the meme in some circles, depending on where you go. But like the problem is like for every crisis, there's a Minecraft. And I don't understand how AAA developers don't look at that and go, you don't have to make a big budget over the top graphical powerhouse to make a good game. Quality doesn't just mean surface. You could have an extensive amount of quality with your narrative or your your entire setting i'll keep saying it trails does this that jrpg series 
is not anything to look at. Even its newer games still feel like they're PS3 games on like the highest settings. But what they offer you is hours of narrative that calls back to the older games that has all of these characters that matter, these places that matter, these callbacks that if you have been playing from the beginning, they mean something. Whereas you play a big name game these days, it's done and forgotten. You know, not everyone remembers the story of what happens in, say, an Order 1886. Whereas you ask somebody the story of a Mass Effect, or you ask somebody the story of even going further back, a Final Fantasy game back in the day, they remember so many things about it because the quality wasn't just graphical. Even though Final Fantasy games pushed graphical fidelity back in the day on PlayStation, they still offered something apart from that. And it feels now like a lot of games today, they don't do both. They offer quality on one end and forego the other. So a lot of games, especially indie games, some of them actually do pretty well on the graphics side. But a lot of them sacrifice graphical fidelity and end up having these really cool gameplay concepts. Or like you said, like they offer something different in terms of like the music that they offer, like say something like a Metal Hellsinger, for example. So there's all these other options. And I think AAA devs just see the shiny new technology and go, that's the direction we need to go in. Yeah, for sure. Like even a, like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that I'm just playing a couple indie games on Game Pass. One of them I'm playing right now is it an interesting art style in the sense that it's an indie game. Obviously, it's not meant to be graphically pushing anything, but the entire game looks like it's actually water paint. Like it's, oh, cool. it's a, an actual moving painting um, besides the characters who are also like hand-drawn looking. They just stand out a little bit more because the animation probably would have been really hard if the, they were like an actual moving painting. Um, but it's, yeah, like it's, and it's all about story of like a girl who's visiting her grandma in France and France is this friggin' watercolor painting in the mid eighties. And it's just like this really awesome narrative indie game that wasn't trying to push anything graphically but they did care about the way the game looked. They just went with an interesting art style that they knew because this game is probably going to be on everything. But indie games really are the only ones that probably when they do the multi-console push, they're fine because they're not trying to push any of the systems or PCs to the max. They just want it to run in general and they care more about performance from the get-go. And like, let's make it pretty pixel art or a hand drawn. They have a vision from the beginning that that isn't just, let's just make something big so it makes money. Well, circling back, it's also the scale. Like the indie games are typically smaller, easy to develop and easy like to to not get carried away. I think Adam, you brought up an interesting point and and kind of want to jump on it where you mentioned, you know, the fidelity. And I think that there is something of a longevity. Like if you think of games that stand the test of time, like we've talked before that video games are an interesting like medium and that it's continually iterative in that what looks cutting edge today is going to look terrible in 15 years. Like think of Tomb Raider, the original Tomb Raider. That game was blowing our freaking minds. Like, holy crap, I can't believe how real this looks. And now it looks stupid, right? Like we used to go to like the local arcade and they had like Daytona USA and we thought that was like the craziest graphics ever. And it's just shitty, shitty like Sega CD graphics. Yep. Or even like think of something like James Bond, right? Like the Goldeneye game. Like oh, they yeah. tried to make it look super realistic in like the game. And now it looks absolute garbage. Yeah, the guy's cheeks literally look like they've, they've been <laughs> carved out. Yeah. 
but if you think of something like like on top it's not even like their face it's like an image of a face just stuck to some polygons yeah but if you think of something like a link to the past again like that game looks great even 30 years later because it has an art style right mario games for the most part look good 20 years later like super mario galaxy still looks good today and that game came out back in like 2007 that game is almost like 15 years probably 15 years old at this point and it looks good in this because they went with an art style over fidelity right they're not trying to go for that photorealism they're they're and like you can't replace an art style with just amazing graphics it you're chasing a moving target that you can't keep up with and so i think and not to say like there are some games that benefit from having that like i don't think the last of us would work well as a cute art style kind of cartoon like you need to have that greediness but not every game needs to have that and i think that's why something like like why, why Fortnite does well like it's got an art style to it that it's not having to chase whereas something like PUBG was trying to go for a more realistic looking scenario and i think it kind of suffered from it whereas Fortnite didn't because it was had a simpler art style a smaller scale like i don't know I think that and it there also is doesn't help to that, like, depending on your artistic vision, like, <clears throat> there's a reason why games like Horizon did really well in the beginning with people because of how unique it was. There's a reason why God <clears throat> of War does really well because it has something all to itself. It really uses right now like Norse mythology and and going really f- uh, fantastical with it. Even Destiny, like Destiny, with it being such a space epic, like it's not a graphical powerhouse, but it's good enough that it still looks decent. But <clears throat> like. For so many games that do that, when you were taught, like you bring up The Last of Us, a lot of games that are based in modern day, like trying to be realistic, they can't just get by on being real. And even if the gameplay is okay, it's not a good enough. Like if we're talking games that look like things we already see, that's not enough anymore. Like those are the ones that really suffer because if they don't have the narrative to also add on to it, they are easy to forget now because there just isn't anything else there. It's just it's just a pretty picture in which case you can look at it and then look away and you're done. Whereas, Mm. you know, obviously with the game of the last of us, even though it's not my cup of tea, clearly it's left a massive impression on a lot of people because of how, what it's done. So that's an exception to the rule, but not every game that is, I guess, well, I shouldn't say based in reality because that's not really the last of us, but it's based in modern times that it can't just look good. It also has to bring something to the table that keeps you there. Sure, when we see a really good gameplay trailer, like I think of Watch Dogs, where we thought that was so an impressive trailer and how good it looked, and we thought at the time, too, the gameplay looked really interesting. Turns out that that's literally all they had. But like when the game came out, it didn't look like that. It it was definitely downgraded. Same goes for a game like, if people remember, Aliens Colonial Marines looked way better visually than when it came out, where it was just a mess. So, like, it's the other problem, too, that modern gaming has is that they don't stick to their vision either. We see trailers all the time, and then we get, by the time it launches, we get something completely different from what that was supposed to be. And I think, again, we fall into this age of, we can encompass a lot of things just on corporate greed and the machine in general, because the problem is, is, They want to get as many people hyped up for a game as possible. So you have to make that trailer look as good as you possibly can, whether or not it actually is the final product. Even if they intended to be the final product, you think of Cyberpunk, for example, 
I'm sure they intended the game to look the way those trailers did when they were walking in the city and you had hundreds of people walking around. It didn't happen that way for the reasons we discussed earlier, that it was just too big to not have issues. But the problem that also comes in hand with it is that they have to do that because if they don't show trailers like that, like if you saw a trailer for Cyberpunk's gameplay looking the way that it did at launch, would you have bought the game? No. Maybe, maybe not. Some people still would have in the same way that a lot of us weren't interested in Starfield in its first trailer because we thought it looked pretty generic. And then we saw the new one recently and we went, that's more interesting. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a problem of the machine literally dictates that things have to almost come out badly because if they spent the amount of time and money that it would be required to make it perfect, we'd never get games at all. I don't want to dismiss it, but like I don't I don't want to say that you're wrong or, or or completely dismiss your argument, but I don't think that there's been a, there's not been a much of a change in terms of corporate like capitalist greed in gaming like that's always been there like that's how the, that's how it started right? i like, disagree just based on the fact that we now have what we see with microtransactions and mobile games where we now have the elusive whales that they go after but so, i mean like if you think about where games before even the consoles became or whatever whenever excuse me before consoles even began the whole idea was to get you to put quarters into a machine and they were not designed for you to win they were not designed for you to get better they were designed for you to to eat quarters but were the so games, it's always was the quality of the game though was pac-man a really good game were the like some of them are pretty yeah. damn solid games that were worth putting your quarters in in the same way that, oh i'm like, not disputing that but what i'm saying is i wouldn't say that the the corporate money hungry aspect is new to gaming i, I like that no but i would say it's, it's it's the absolute factor in why so many games are coming out a mess now you know, when we I, I had the NES days, like there were a yeah. shit ton of bad games, but that was also because it was an early medium and so many studios had no idea what they were doing. No, because if you think about E.T., like that was an example of just corporate greed just getting out the window. So, like, no, but yeah, there were I don't think also games like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde for the NES that no one played and it just hmm. existed out there. There are lots of games like for the same reason that there are always all these games on the eShops that we just never play hmm. because they're five dollars and we know they're probably really bad. But mm -hmm. the thing is, is those aren't being made by major studios. Back in the old days, a lot of major publishers were putting out these garbage games because we still didn't really know what, like, not everybody was doing what Nintendo did. Whereas mm -hmm. I think now, even the most, at, like, even the most, like, average, like, AAA game is coming out a bit more broken than they ever would have because, again, they've spent so much money on they've what they've already budgeted for in terms of actually producing the game but then distri distribution all the marketing because lord knows in this day and age of capitalism you can't not spend a hundred million dollars on marketing materials to get to make people aware of this game because yes coca-cola we have no idea you still exist in this world but sure just put out another commercial reminder that you exist and god only knows how much that costs yes activision we have no idea call of duty exists keep keep putting infinite amounts of money in your trailers to let us know that call of Duty's coming but you know for any other game there's all of this money that's being spent and like you said earlier with microtransactions they got to do something to make it up so they come up with these practices whether it's the trailers that lie to you whether it's releasing games sooner than they probably should because they need to make their profit now while the buzz is still high where they add all the extra microtransactions like Ubisoft does now, even in their single-player campaigns where you can buy all the boosts to make the game easier for you. There are all these things now that I think 
the core of it to me are two things it's one we are spoiled because we've played for so long and we've seen the best of the best and then on the other hand you have what i think today is corporate greed at its absolute worst and it's finally getting to the point that i think we're all just completely done with it and i think as we talked about a number a number of times on the show with like say live service games it's clearly showing that the practices that the average publisher is doing right now is now getting under our skin and there's going to inevitably be a change going forward what's the next big thing i have no idea i'm not being if if i knew i would be not on the show i would be working for a company getting a shit ton of money coming up with the next big idea so I, I I really just put it down to like the biggest reasons is just because greed has gotten so high to this point. I mean, even take a look in basic everyday life on what greed has done. Look at the housing markets and how much groceries cost these days. It literally yeah. just is a thing where billionaire organizations are making it to the point that they want the most bang for their bucks. So they want the least amount of money spent or the least amount of effort spent to get the maximum amount of profits. And that's causing a lot more games than I think we're used to, at least in terms of the biggest hyped games of the year are now coming out a lot more broken than they used to. Because I don't remember mm. it being this way, say, when I was in high school or even in college. I think in the last 10 years, it is far different than the 10 previous to me. Chris, yeah. any, any other final thoughts? Well, I was just thinking that we need those big budgets or else how would how else would we have square enix commissioning somebody to make clive's giant sword from final fantasy 16 and putting it on display in the tower of london if we don't have that budget how else would we have that sword in the tower of london also ridiculous marketing is ridiculous that's all i have to say some kid is getting so screwed up on medieval history <laughs> like wow did you know about clive <laughs> Sir Clive of the Square Enix clan. Anyways, yeah, I mean, I I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. But like, yeah, I think we've definitely highlighted some of the the key challenges and problems and hurdles that AAA gaming is facing. And yeah, I, th I think we're at a point now that I don't know if it'll be in this decade, but I honestly see there's going to come a point where I, there's not going to be another game crash like it was in, you know, after like post ET, like there was there, right? That's not, that's never going to happen again. Gaming is just too popular to, to crash that hard again. But I think there's going to come a point, and it, it may already be happening now. I mean, obviously, you're going to have that core set of, you know, hardcore, well, I shouldn't say hardcore, but um, the, only plays the biggest you know names out there in the same way that you have people that only listen to top 40 radio those are always going to exist but i think you're going to start seeing a scenario where a lot more of the big publishers their massive projects are not going to be making the same bank like they used to you're going to yeah. start seeing more indie publishers start having these big like you're going to see more cases like a stardew valley where they're doing tens of millions now i think you're going to start seeing that because i mean for example my best game of the year last year was an indie game, and I'm pretty sure at the rate we're going, it might actually be also an indie game being my game of the year this year. It's very possible, or yeah. that if it's going to be a bigger company that makes it, it's not going to be like a triple A AAA massive game like Hi-Fi Rush or say Trails and Reverie might be my game of the year at the way things are going. I mean, Trails and Reverie, I I will be shocked if it's not at least top five for me this year. Like the only triple A game right now on the horizon 
that I think might have a chance is Spider-Man. I don't think Starfield's going to do enough to get in that. So I think at this point it's down to Spider-Man as being a AAA. And even then, it probably won't be as long a game as, say, most AAA games are these days. So it's almost not even quite there. It's, But I think that's the closest we're going to get. I don't think AAA games are, are going to be game of the year quality as much as they used to be. I think now you're going to start seeing more games that are on the the shorter side, the lower budget side, the indie side that are going to start getting more of these accolades now because that's where the passion, the effort seems to be going to now rather than all of these big budget projects that are just insert license here. Like, look, I know a lot of you guys are looking forward to Star Wars. Uh, what's the new one that Ubisoft's working on? I'm forgetting. Oh, right now. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, like I imagine that that game's going to create a lot of buzz. Do I think that's going to be a game of the year? I would be shocked if it's even close to nomination level. But How dare you? the hope is that that the <laughs> game is at least passable enough that, you know, you don't, we aren't sitting here talking about how, oh my God, it's an absolute mess. What a waste of a license. Like so many of these games tend to be these days. How dare you? The droid is wearing a trench coat for no reason other than to look cool. The thirst for that droid online is insane. I don't understand. Like it's a jacket. <laughs> Why is he wearing a jacket, though? He's a robot. He doesn't get cold. He doesn't need shelter. If you play JRPGs, you would understand why he has to wear a trench coat. It's merely for the cool factor. The droid just wants to be cool. I can relate to this droid. (laughs) I can relate. I mean, look, he literally spent, like, years and years, even though the game hasn't had a sequel in forever, but we still talk about HK-47 and Knights of the Republic just because he was a droid that called every every organic being a meat bag and it just <laughs> sticks with you you know yeah but it'll it'll be interesting to see like i'm very curious as we're getting to the second half of this generation and obviously we move on to the next one you know just how that triple a territory is going to start looking if we're going to be talking like even this year i can't wait to see what our like say if we do a top five of what our top five games of the year were this year to actually map out like how many of them for us were triple a because to oh, me my. i'm wondering if it might if it might be any more than two i might i i doubt it at this point it just feels like right now the best experiences are not coming from them are they good experiences more often than not i think they are but i think now like to me the best experiences are coming from outside of that world because that's where the new ideas are coming from and that's where a lot of the passion is coming from Triple A garbage for me, thank you. Says the guy who's about to get in the JRPGs with Final Fantasy 16. Which we've maybe accounted that is not true a, a true JRPG. Nah, we'll least JRPG RPG. Uh, going forward for all my JRPG advice, I'm coming to you, Kalen, man. Like I'm Good gonna... call. Good call. <laughs> I'm a sage Every... when it comes to JRPGs. Hundred percent. I can you tell you which it... ones to avoid and which ones to go for. You're Final showing Fantasy us the podcast next. We're in like a Final Fantasy shirt. Going to be yeah. some like Funko Pops behind you. Yeah. Giant sword. You're going to be a new man. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, going to have the spiky hair. It's going to be great. Yeah. Like so. all, all, I, all I could wish for is that for some reason you just decide you want a green screen behind you. And that way I can edit you out and just start putting chocobos and moogles behind you just to be like, <laughs> see, look at this JRPG guy. I'm a weeb, guys. I'm a weeb. Um, yeah or it's gonna be i'm gonna come back and be like they like desk flipping they got me i'm so pissed like the the, like the like the first two hours totally like 
Western RPG, and then instantly they flip it on and we get some girl with blue hair coming on. Yeah, who knows? For all we Uh, know, like, the demo was just, that was the only serious part of the game. You start chapter two, and it's just like, here is, like, infinite copious amounts of JRPG bullshit. Here we go, right (laughs) back to where we used to be. Friendship is the ultimate power and will defeat evil. I mean, that's still probably going to be a part of 16, whether you like it or not. No, I don't think it it cannot be. Yeah, the power of friendship is going to win, man. Do you even know the power of friendship? Yes, you do. I watch Care Bears. I know what I know. I was about to say, you grew up with Care Bears, you son of a bitch. You understand this. Oh, man. Care Bears there, man. I know. I know what's down. (laughs) It was just a JRPG cartoon and we never knew. Yeah. Uh, anyways, that was. Uh, let's wrap it up there. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to the podcast. If you want to hear more, we post episodes every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. YouTube, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, you can check us out there. If you want to join our Discord, talk to other fans, talk to us, send questions, or just generally hang out, we have all our socials found at linktree.linktr.e forward slash pixel play podcast. Uh, I've been your host, Kalen, aka Catastrophe, joined as always by my co host, Adam at CS Radical and Chris at Jin and Chris. With that, we'll see you guys next week. I won't, but these other two will, and we'll talk to you later. Bye for now. <laughs>